Hello and welcome to Clamp, the weekly podcast where we discuss all things related to creating, living, and making projects. I'm Grant Alexander and I'll be your host tonight. Joining me as always is Adam Mackey and Morley Kurt. And today we have a special guest joining as well, the one and only Clamp champ, Bob Claggett. Welcome, Bob. (laughs) Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Thanks. If there's uh, anyone listening who's never heard of you before, I'd really appreciate if you could uh, give them a little, you know, elevator pitch on who you are and what you do. Sure. Uh, I'm just a dude that makes stuff in his basement and then puts it on the internet. That's pretty much it. (laughs) Ah, perfect. (laughs) All right. Uh, Do you also happen to have a YouTube channel or or the name of it? Yeah. uh... Yeah. Yeah, I, I forgot about that part. I do uh, make videos about those things that I make and put them on the channel called I Like to Make Stuff. And um, yeah, I've been making content, like kind of how-to building content for a long time now, probably nine years, eight yeah. years, something like that. Long time. At least that, yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, thank you. Thank you very much for joining us. Um, I wanted to have you on this week because I was listening to the back catalog of No Instructions, one of your many podcasts that you do, um, along with uh, Making It and Brain. What is it? Brain Pick? Or yeah, Brain Pick. Brain Pick. Uh, that one you don't do as much. Oh, and my camera has gone again. Um, but don't worry about the camera. Just cut that part out. Uh, so... I was listening to a, an old episode of No Instructions, and you were talking with Josh, uh, Josh Price, and you were mentioning he was mentioning getting joining the team felt like joining a startup, mm-hmm. and that got me thinking about how, you know, what what's it like having a startup company, and whether or not you think I like to make stuff is one, um, and you know, just kind of talking about that, and then later we'll talk about because you've said it's been eight. Uh, or nine years talking about maybe how you've tried to keep the passion alive in the, I like to make stuff startup. Sure. Well, the startup thing is really interesting um, because I have worked at startups. (laughs) Um, So when I got out of school, I started a company with a friend of mine and we did, we were like a design studio and we did, um, application development and websites and intranets and all this stuff. And that was in 99. So that was right around the, you know, like tech startups are everywhere and it Mm -hmm. was very easy to get going and get spun up really quickly. And so I did that. And then eventually that grew to a point, I think we had like 14 employees. We sold that to uh, an agency and then I went to work for a larger agency which didn't have that feel. And then eventually work went, got a job with another kind of startup. But then the day I started, they got bought by Dell. So that became a not startup very quickly. Um, but the thing that's interesting about the startup idea is I, I've intentionally not made, I like to make stuff a startup, not, not given it that culture that comes with okay. it. And I think when Josh said that, it's because Josh Josh didn't have the perspective of what that would actually be like. So from his perspective of working for like big aerospace, really big, you know, defense contractor kind of companies, yes, it feels small, it feels agile. But from my perspective, like we don't work that much (laughs) and we we have families and we have lives and we don't dump 120% of ourselves into this thing. 
when you started and you were by yourself, yeah, you were obviously working full time at the same in a full time job and trying to grow your channel. Did it feel more like a startup then? It did. Yeah, okay. for sure. Yeah. Um, but I decided really early on that that was not going to be a long-term thing. Like this, I'm not going to set the tone for this is how the rest of my life is going to be. And right. then when I started looking at getting help, getting other people to even part-time help with editing and stuff, I did not want to require of them what I was required of at previous jobs. And so, yeah, when it was just me, uh, and I was trying to make that transition, my wife and I sat down and, and it was kind of like, look, I'm going to have to have two full-time jobs for a while to see if this works. And we actually put a time on it. We put it like a nine month, I think it was nine months. You know, I'm going to work two full-time jobs for nine months and it, then it's going to stop one way or another. Either the YouTube thing's going to stop because it didn't work or the other job's going to go because it's in the way. But I knew that if I tried to just do it until it worked, then my newborn child would be completely ne neglected by me. My wife, who was having to deal with a newborn child, would be neglected by me for an indefinite amount of time. That's terrible. That's startup culture in my mind, right. where it's just like, we're going to hammer this thing and give up our lives until it works. And there's no guarantee that it's going to work. So uh, we put a time limit on it. And I think I made it maybe five months or six months before it was like, the job's got to go. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't need to see this thing through. I know what the deal is. And, you know, we were both, it was really clear. Um, and so getting rid of that, you know, that double time, that, that was the only period where I feel like I've really pushed myself into that kind of startup culture, just give it all. And then after that, it was, of course, I have to work some nights and some weekends and do extra things here and there. And after the kids go to bed, but I really have tried to keep my work to like a nine to five, nine to six this entire time. I have four kids and like right. one of the things that I wanted as a young person was to have kids. And so this is, you know, this is where I was going. This was the point of me becoming an adult and stuff. So I was just kind of unwilling to give that up for the sake of, you know, more subscribers or like faster growth or whatever. <laughs> For someone that has two kids, I have to really appreciate how you can have your shop in your house and still work nine to five. <laughs> I have, I have two kids and like the only time I get work done is if no one's home. Mm. Yeah. Same. I, <laughs> yeah. Do you have, do you have like, how's the flow? Do they come in and out? Is do they have full access to you during those times? Yeah, they they pretty much do. I mean, my five year old can come in and out. He's been in a few videos with me, um, but my toddler he just bangs on the door. So this is a terrible comparison because I have no kids <laughs> and I have a girlfriend in our apartment, and but it has been a thing that we've learned to deal with because I am working from home. I'm trying to like work on my own business and with both of us working from home, it can be really fun to just like pop in and like have conversations and everything else. Um, but it's been a, like a good amount of work for us to like build boundaries around that. And that was actually one of the original ideas between this behind the on air sign that I made. Like I wanted to put it outside of my, the second bedroom that I use as my workshop to say like, don't bother me. I'm working on stuff. But one, it felt like a little like passive aggressive and two, it just like the whole kind of scope of the project sort of changed. And 
yeah, now it's, it's still a thing that we work on constantly, but it's really kind of come down to like, like if I, if like my door is closed, like please just knock and I might just not be able to talk, even though in the past when we've both been home together, it's been like just freely, you know, moving in and out of each other's lives. But building those boundaries have, have made things so much easier because I hate getting interrupted. And one of the things I've realized recently is that a lot of times I'm the one interrupting myself. It's like me looking at my phone or having Discord open my on my computer. So it's not just like helping myself not get interrupted by another person, but just stopping myself from interrupting, getting distracted from my own work. Yeah, I I think that would be a big problem if if it wasn't set if the boundaries weren't really clear. So the way it worked for us when I was getting started was my I was working out of the two car garage that was there was a door in between that and the rest of the house. And the rule with the kids from when they were born was you don't come through that door. You can be brought through that door, but like there's death on the other side of that door in the, in the form of tools, (laughs) you know? Um, and so that afforded me the ability to go down there, go through that door. And then I was at work and I could stay there and, you know, just like if I had a commute somewhere and, and if I hadn't had that, like in the case of like what you guys are talking about, I, I don't know that I would have been able to make it work. Yeah. My, my son, like he won't come in the shop, but he'll open the door and talk to me or, or mm-hmm. something like that. But he won't actually come in the shop and he knows he's not allowed in there unless any, unless I'm in there. Mm. Now, so I have a newborn and uh, I'm currently on parental leave for seven months and I've, I thought I would have a lot more time. But it's that the boundaries were not talked about beforehand because we have a we also have a four year old so I was like oh this is perfect like two kids what's two kids over one kid where both parents are home I should have time to work but anytime I try and go out there's like oh it's you know someone needs to go down for a nap and the other one's crying because the Hot Wheels tracks won't go apart or whatever you know what I mean like there's always like a there there no matter what's happening is that at the same time the kids so I could not imagine having four. That's all I'm trying to say. <laughs> well, it's actually okay. So I haven't talked about this in a long time because my kids are older now. And so I used to talk to young parents a lot. You know, we were kind of in the same place and they're like, I don't know how you do it with four. Going from one kid to two kids is really, really hard because okay. you're dumping a hundred percent of yourself into this thing that you have to keep alive and you care about it so much. And you're like, you know, all the focus is there. Then you have to split that focus between the second one. And that's really, really tough. But once you once you split that focus, having a third one, you're like, oh, yeah, I just like throw in the mix. That's fine. <laughs> having a fourth one, you're like, oh, yeah, it's just another. It's, it's a little louder. <laughs> just like more noise. So that I, one I've to two, I mean, and I'm not even joking. Like that one to two is the hard thing. But yeah, past okay. that, it's about the same. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. I couldn't, like I think about if I were having to go to work right now, like I don't know if my wife would be able like, I don't know what my wife would do because yeah. the amount of time that I look after one or the other or both of the kids, it's just mind boggling to me. I don't know how, I don't know how single parents do it. I don't know how stay at home, like any, I don't know. It's crazy, but <laughs> I think it's like a lot of things you adapt to what the conditions are in the house. And so getting back to the startup mentality, I want to, I think it sounds like you've taken a lot of the good things about startup being uh, ag- agility and, uh, you know, laser focusedness. 
but made it so that there are boundaries on that. Is that true? Yeah, absolutely. I I mean, like I said about the <clears throat> excuse me about the kids earlier. That's a, a a thing for me, right? I wanted to make sure that my life is set up in a way that it's my work is not gonna like overtake. And so the people that work with me, we actually just hired a, a girl named Megan who's going to come on and do marketing. She has a, an infant as well, or toddler, I guess. And so in talking to her recently about coming on, it was I was trying to get the point across that like it's as important to me that you have time with your family as it is me to have time with my family. So yes, those boundaries are absolutely necessary. There's something that I'm setting up and kind of forcing on the team Use it how you want, but you know you don't need to be here past six o'clock. There's no reason, and if yeah. if so, then that means you just don't come in tomorrow or whatever. You know, I mean, right. hours are not really that important. But if we make videos on the internet, like it can wait, <laughs> you know. Um, and so, th- and that perspective honestly has been kind of there from the beginning. Like I'm not changing the world, you know. I mean, this is cool. I love it. I'm blessed to be able to do it, but it shouldn't come before anything else. And so mm-hmm. I don't want to, I don't want to build that culture in because, you know, we're growing. I mean, we have five full time now and I don't know where that's going to go or how long that's going to, you know, continue to grow or whatever. And I don't want to set something up where it's just like this churn factory where you come in and burn out quick and then you're, you're done. I don't want that. So I think trying over this time is trying to get focused and trying to be really productive. That's why I like care so much about productivity and trying to use that time that I've allotted for work really well and really effectively. And I don't all the time, but that's the goal. You know. So. I'm curious um, in, in your own startup experience in the ones that maybe were a little more toxic, what would you say are some of those, bad aspects that people should like watch out for or try to avoid their own work developing into? Well, I will say like from my personal experience, I did, I wasn't in any toxic situations. I was in the, I was the owner. I was single. I was right out of school. I could work all the time and not do anything else. And I mean, that's not toxic. It's just dumb. Like you just shouldn't do that. <laughs> so, um, but I, you know, have been around a lot of people who have been in different tech startups and stuff. And I think a lot of, um, I think a lot of the problems are when, when people who are at a, I'm talking purely from a coding world. That's, that's kind of what I know. If somebody's at a junior level and they're looking for work, they're looking for like experience within the thing, they get brought in to a bigger company as like, you can work here and get experience and then you can move up the ladder but what's really happening is they're brought in cheaply to be worked to death and then not care about it anymore and leave so that the people who are more senior can continue to get the benefits that they're getting and the whatever, whatever, and do have the life that they want. And so I think there's a lot of that. We don't have to pay you. It's like the, the intern thing, you know, like, yeah, you can intern, you won't get paid, but it's good experience. Everyone's doing it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you know, that exposure thing and it's all the same. Um, so th- that was the experience that I saw from people around me, people I knew mm-hmm. got taken advantage of. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I, I can't say from my own experience that I've worked for someone else who is running a startup. Um, I'm currently working for like a small business, which is like growing quickly and 
I, I don't know if I, it's not in the tech space, so it, it's maybe hard to make that comparison. But I think one thing which is difficult is that a lot of people we work with are really young. Um, I mean, I'm young, I'm 25, but a lot of people who work there are like 18 or 19 or 20. So they don't really know how to set boundaries and it can become like strange to kind of like work in that environment at a certain extent. Cause we're just at like sort of different points in our lives and you know, you don't want to tell them like, don't have this experience, but at certain points you also have to like, you're like, man, like go home. Like you don't have to be here. It's like 7 PM. Like this, I, I had to, so then this past summer we, we run a summer camp and I was running the camp and I kind of like sat everyone down in the morning and literally did a breathing exercise with like 40 people. I was like, guys, just remember this isn't a heist. This isn't, <laughs> you know, this isn't the end of the world. We're running a camp for kids. Like, cause it was at the point where like things were starting, deadlines were starting to escape us. The prep wasn't as in as good of a place as we wanted it to, which I knew was going to happen because in prepping for a tech, you know, steam camp, there's a lot of stuff to do and things just won't get done perfectly in like, you know, making YouTube videos. Um, and I hope it helped, but yeah, a lot of them, you know, they don't have the experience or the perspective on life yet to like, be like, okay, it's okay if this thing isn't perfect. They get really emotionally wrapped up in it. So I remember when I was Younger than Morley, which it's amazing to think that that was possible. But uh, <laughs> I remember in my first like real job, I would stay late almost every day so that I seemed like I was a super performer because I wanted the, I wanted the experience. I wanted the job. I wanted to get ahead. And then one day, my boss found out that's what I was doing. And she said to me, stop doing that. Because you're making it seem like I can get this much work done with the amount of hours they're giving me. I work for the government. So it's, you know, that's all budgets and stuff. They don't, you know, it's not no profit motives. But uh, she's saying, if you're working 60 hours and they're paying me for 40, I I should be getting 60 hours. I, I want that. I want to hire another person or I want to give you overtime for that. Right. And I went, ah, that makes sense. Why didn't I ever think of it? Well, because I'm, you know, a 20 something year old who didn't have any, didn't yeah. have a, you know, didn't have a girlfriend, didn't have a wife, didn't have kids, didn't have any other responsibility other than p- perhaps getting ahead in a career. It's so nice when someone takes the time to like sit you down and explain those things that aren't obvious to you. Like I remember I was working at an engineering firm as an internship and we were billing hours. It was the first time I had experience putting in the job I worked on and the time I spent on it on my timesheet, which is really like stressful and new at a young age. And I felt a little bit of pressure to underreport the amount of time that I was spending on things because I didn't want it to look like, I mean, it's, it's the opposite situation from you, if I'm understanding correctly. I didn't want it to make it seem like I was inefficient. So I'd be like, yeah, you know, I was there for like 50 minutes. I'll call it 45 and the guy I was working with, who wasn't very much older, he was like, no, if you work 45 minutes, put down 45 minutes because it's not sustainable to do that over a lo- any long period of time. There are guys here who do that and it makes it harder for the rest of us because then it looks like everyone else isn't you know, working as much. Obviously, there's a, there's a fine balance. You, know? you don't want to start over-reporting it either. But it's really stuck with me ever since he said it. It's like, no, like I worked an hour and a half. I'm getting paid for an hour and a half of work. There's, there's no other way. 
at my work, as soon as people come out of college and uh, are fully qualified, the first thing we drum into them is like, you, your time is your time. You don't have to do overtime. You go home when your time's finished. I was, I was telling the boys, so I was three hours away from home today and the train, I'm a train guard and the train I was on got stuck and they wanted me to take it here and there. And I said, I'm not going to be back in time to finish, which wouldn't have got me back here in time to do this. And he's like, oh, but I really need you. I said, no, that's a you problem. Like I'm going home. I don't, I'm, I don't do overtime. I mean, I mean, I've been on the job eight hours, eight years. So, you know, I know that I can get away with it, but then people that have just taken up and just finished college that have been out for like a month, they'll be like, yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'll do whatever you need. Like, but it may, as, as we keep saying, like it, it makes everyone else look bad because they think, well, why can't that person do it in that amount of time? And why can't, you know? Yeah. I, I will say like on the, the opposite end of that, when you are in charge or when you are heading a thing and you're not, you know, you're not reporting to someone else. That is absolutely all those situations that you just said. But when you're like trying to build something on your own at a young age and you don't have a lot of requirement of you, like as long as you're healthy about it, I think yeah. pouring yourself into the thing that you're trying to build is pretty awesome. It's yeah. it's amazing to have that opportunity to do For that. For sure. Yeah. Because as life goes on, you don't have that same kind of opportunity without a pretty big cost. And, you know, I so I, I see a lot of, like at WorkbenchCon, there were a lot of people, I mean, I'm not exactly like a young guy anymore, but there are a lot of people that are pretty young that are doing, getting into content creation and stuff. And you can tell that they are dumping a lot of themselves into it. And it's great. As long as it's not going to hurt you, <laughs> you know, as yeah. long as it's like, there's a time and a place for all this stuff. And, um, so I guess anybody listening, you know, I'm not, don't hear me being like, you know, as soon as you get out of college, go to nine to five and make room for all of the people in your, I'm not saying that. I just mean like, you know, be realistic about where you're putting, there's only so much of you and if yeah, you burn I, it all, then there's not enough of you where it needs to be. So I think as long as you understand from the get go, it's not a sustainable thing as well. Like, like, as you said, when you first started, I like to make stuff. You were working two jobs. You were, you were working two full-time jobs for six months before you realize you had to get rid of one of them. But if you didn't do that, you would never be where you are today. And you knew from the beginning that it wasn't sustainable to do that forever. You had to eventually get rid of one of them. Yeah, if, for sure. Yeah. So understanding so, that it's not sustainable is definitely the big thing. When I started my YouTube career, quotation marks around that one, <laughs> uh, I, my first year I put out a video a week for a year while working full-time while I had a newborn at home. Ooh, wow. And so basically when they would go to, when, when the baby would go to bed, that was my time. So I was working till like midnight every night for a year. And after a year, I still wasn't monetized. And I went, that's, that's not going to be sustainable. <laughs> right. <laughs> there wasn't a time where I went, Oh, maybe I can quit this and, uh, you know, quit the real job and, and and switch things up. Obviously, you know, it's, we won't talk about how bad my videos were at the beginning, but they weren't very good. Uh, they didn't catch the YouTube. There's no guy in the pipe wasn't even thinking about that switch. Uh, 
But it does talk a little bit about trying to keep the passion alive because I've I've clearly it's been three four years now. I've continued to put out videos at a, a smaller, lower pace, and and I feel like that startup mentality was me pouring everything into it, and now how do I keep doing it now that I don't have like it's not new and exciting and fresh anymore. And I think on one of the latest episodes of making it, Bob, you talked about you know maker fatigue. And, and I think that goes along with a startup. You can't do that mentality forever. You can't keep that focus going forever because you'll either become fit, fatigued or, or you'll, you'll like burn, burn out or whatever, lots of different names for what could happen. So what have you been doing to try and keep, I like to make stuff passionate. It's tough. If I'm perfectly honest, that's a hard thing to do. Um, and I think it comes in waves. I mean, I'm not going to say that like I've, you know, I'm always like up for it all the time because I'm not. I mean, you know, it's it's just like anything where there's moments where light bulbs go off and like lightning is striking and you're just like, yeah, I got to make the thing right now and it has to work and I'm on Amazon and I'm ordering way more stuff than I need. And <laughs> it's like the firestorm is happening right now. And then there's other times where I'm just like, I, I just don't want to, <laughs> I, yeah. the pace is killing me and the, whatever is the, you know, like who cares about thumbnails and all these, it's just like the gunk of work comes up. And so, you know, it ebbs and flows. I mean, um, I think being able to pivot really quickly to something else is I'm very lucky in that I've built the thing to not be super focused. <laughs> I can, I can work on R2D2, which I'm not, I'm done now, but I could used to be able to work on R2D2 and then I could like turn left and go make a guitar and then mm -hmm. turn right and make a piece of furniture or just, so if I was getting bogged down in something, I'm in the situation where I'm expected to pivot and that's pretty great. You know, and it, it has its drawbacks for sure, but it's given me the opportunity to, to, I don't want to say burnout, but to get kind of like complacent in something or kind of done with something and then just be able to like, let's go do something new and same format, same tone, same intent, but the work is different. And that's been absolutely necessary for me, just for my personality type. You mentioned that, 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 sorry, Adam, I know you wanted to say something, but just before it's lost in the shuffle, you mentioned that that agility has downsides. Um, and I'm curious what those are to you. Cause I don't, I don't know what you mean. Cause it seems like it's working very well. Well, um, it is, but when you have a, a channel or um, that's what we're talking about. So when you have a channel where you make a bunch of different types of things, every time somebody sees you for the first time, they see you through the lens of how they found you. And so they extrapolate out what you are based on how, what you're doing when they found you. And so the people that come to our channel through a furniture build are really disappointed the next week when I'm working on a car <laughs> and the people that come in through car stuff are really disappointed when I'm making a prop and so on and so on and so on. So, you know, and, and a lot of people like the variety. That's great too. But I think it's become more common now for us. We're kind of known for the fact that we jump around a lot. But in the first several years, 
I would get lots and lots of comments about like, man, I wish you'd go back to woodworking or man, I wish you would go back to whatever. And, you know, I mean, that's, that's opinions. It's not like I have to be upset about that or bow to that or anything. But when you're trying to grow a dedicated group of people who are, who are really into what you're doing, uh, but then they get kind of pushed off. They get kind of like, eh, this isn't really my thing every week. And a different group of people are doing that every week. It becomes a more fragmented group of people than like a really unified community of, mm. you know, we're all in this for a thing. Right. It's One of the things I heard years ago, someone was commenting about YouTube, is that we thought that eventually, or they thought eventually that you would be able to subscribe to like playlists. So mm. rather than the channel. So say for instance, like someone could subscribe to, just your car videos or just the woodworking and then they don't have to complain and be like, oh, I subscribe for furniture, not for table tennis, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's funny. Like, so in our spare time, because we're full-time jobs and all that sort of stuff, it's like content creation. It's crazy to think that your spare time is the opposite. So it's like, I'm like, there's no way I would have time to rebuild a car while trying to make YouTube videos. Yeah, it's it's. I think that's kind of like a, a big goal to sort of think about with that sort of stuff. Um, but also with like the type of videos we make in that, no matter how small of a channel you are, like I'm a tiny channel, it's still a production. Like I have to, I have to not just build something, but also film everything and think of angles and and all that sort of stuff. Compared to not to not saying they don't work hard, but someone that makes like gaming videos, for instance, you've just got a screen to record and a camera pointing at your face. (laughs) There's not a big production in it. It's just a lot of editing. Yeah. I think, um, I mean, everybody thinks that they work harder than everybody else. Like, (laughs) but I think, uh, I think maker people like people on YouTube who, who make physical things, art, you know, whatever, whatever the, the, if there's a physical production, like you're talking about going alongside the video production, I think us, those people and, people who are doing pure education where it requires a huge amount of research just to be able to say something in an educated way. Those are the two genres that are completely underappreciated when it comes to production. I'm pretty sure. sure. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I would totally agree with that. And unless you do it, you don't understand it. You don't understand how much goes into it. Yeah. I I totally agree that it's, it's a ton of work, but I think something I found in my own process is that, there are a lot of parts of it that are like totally unnecessary. And like, you know, you mentioned like building a big project and like getting all this footage. Like I know we've talked about it before, but like, it's so crazy, like how little of the footage you actually use once you make a video and just getting that amount. Like I've thought about it before. Like it's so easy to fall into a pattern of like, no, I always film the circular saw going through the wood. I always film this part, but to, I've actually started like stepping back and questioning like, do, like how often do I ever actually show more than like two seconds of this? Yeah. And it, it's helped. So just like there's parts of your process where you're banging your head against a wall or even just like genres of content that I've, I've realized just like aren't interesting to watch. Like I sometimes I'll set my phone up to make a time-lapse of a 3d print and it's, it's not interesting to watch as a story because it takes so long for a 3d print to finish that to actually you. film it in an in- <laughs> sorry exactly <laughs> go on i don't mean to interrupt but that's interesting to you and that's the weird thing about this cuz i am totally with you we shoot super lean we try to like 
only shoot what we're going to use. Time lapses to me are not that interesting, but I'm also not my audience. And it's so weird, like in that moment to say like, well, yeah, I'm not going to record an entire time lapse of a thing, but there are channels that are literally just yeah. time lapses yeah. of 3D prints and they do pretty well. I know, <laughs> so I totally agree. Like, like Dom Rico Bean, I don't know if you've seen his stuff, like amazing cinematography when it comes to filming time lapses of CNC and 3D printing. Um, and I, it's something I want to get better at, but I think in, in this specific example, it's like short time lapses, like 20 minutes or so, but in the scale of like a five hour print, not, nothing much changes. And I actually find it fascinating, like trying to make engaging time lapses and figuring out like, okay, like you need some sort of static object. You need something moving through it. Um, you need but you know, I've, I've also filmed a lot of, yeah, I watched it. It's always fun. I filmed a lot of stuff that like, it just isn't interesting to watch. And it's amazing. You can like spend three hours getting what you think is cool and it, it <laughs> going in the trash at the end of it. And how much work is it to get that shot? There's so, a TikTok channel that literally just live streams their 3d printer and people yeah. watch it. So there's Twitch, there's Twitch channels where people subscribe and give those people their Twitch subscription of 3D prints it's, in real time. Think about, though, when you first got, like, for Adam, for you, for your CNC, how much fun it was to just watch it. And there's some – I bet a large percentage of that audience are people who don't have a 3D printer and are just fantasizing about it. Like, look at this magical thing. Like I enjoyed woodworking videos so much more before I actually started woodworking. <laughs> Once I started doing it, like the magic was gone to a certain extent. I enjoyed it for a different regard, but I used to watch Matthias Wendell videos and be like, how is this even happening? Like <laughs> this is magic. Well, that was like me watching people with gaming videos is I would watch them because I didn't have the time to play. So I got my mm. fix by watching someone else play. Yeah. In talking about that, it makes me think of the the 12 plus hours I filmed of my lean filming of my uh, bowler, my vintage trailer rebuild. That was my lean. I didn't do half as much as I should have. And I missed total missed parts that needed to be in the story that weren't all for a 12 minute video. My best performing video, but still a 12 minute video of 12 hours of filming. And that's the way it goes <laughs> yeah was, anyways that, that's I'm, a little off on the side there yeah a little bit i'm i'm curious though you say that you're trying to record very lean bob when you if you put out like a 10 minute video how much footage do you think you would have like mm. how much do you have to get rid of um we've probably shot 40 minutes wow 40 minutes that's yeah. that's so good. Does that include the outtakes? <laughs> yeah. They're, wow. They're all wow. scattered throughout. <laughs> you see a very small percentage of those. Um, yeah, I mean, we really we really try to to keep it lean, and that's there's several reasons for that, but um, we we try to keep it to only what is going to be useful, and so we we end up talking these days, not in the past, but these days, we'll talk more about. Okay, I have this work to do. Uh, what's the important part? What's the stuff we've shown before? Like we're not going to show the cutting plywood again because we've done that. Yeah. So like we're going to skip over that, you know. And so we're trying to to we're big on incremental change. I'm big on incremental change. And so rather than like now we're going to start doing videos like this, we just every video we're like, well, the last one had too much of this, so we're going to make one small micro change. Nobody will notice, 
And then next week we're going to make another micro change and we're going to do less of this or more of this or whatever. And then, you know, two years later, the videos look very different, but you didn't see it happening. Yeah. So mm-hmm. one of those things is where to trim, where to get more, you know, do we need more B-roll, less B-roll, that kind of thing. Do you think having a dedicated cameraman helps with that? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't think it's the only way to do it, mm-hmm. but it, it puts two brains on something to where I can continue to focus on the thing that I'm trying to figure out. Usually like in the moment, you know, I'm, I'm like yeah. making it up as I go along or trying to follow a plan. And then he's looking at it from the perspective of the viewer. You know, what is the important thing that I need to actually see yeah. out of this? And, and, and that's having those two separate brains. You can do it yourself, but it takes twice as long to switch modes and you know stuff. Yeah. Do you think your incremental change is helping to keep some of the passion in I like to make stuff because you're not switching gears so much all the time and kind of making it very difficult for either yourself or, or your team or your viewers to stay engaged with you along the way? I hope so. I mean, I think so. But I also recognize that there are lots of other people who make fantastic videos who do it absolutely differently than I do. People who will just, we're going to change everything this week. And it's all, you know, and they're experimenting or they're just picking a new direction, either one. I mean, David Picciuto, we talk about this all the time on the other show. Like, he, he, his personality is to make big changes. And mm-hmm. so he will pick a new direction and take that direction. That's awesome. My personality is that that doesn't really work for me. I would be terrified to like, we're going to start doing gaming videos this week. <laughs> like we're switching it up. <laughs> like, nope, <laughs> that's not me. So I think it, it helps because it's, uh, I'm not stuck in the same thing all the time, but I'm also not trying to pick a whole new way to do everything all the time because that would be equally as exhausting, you know, and I don't think it would be productive. I think it would be like shotgun just, Let's try a bunch of stuff and it, it, it probably won't work and we won't know why. But right, now right. I'm able to say, well, we tried a thing and this video didn't work because, well, maybe because we made this change last time. <laughs> yeah. Maybe not. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's a little bit easier to kind of pick, uh, you know, pick a change and see what the effect is. And it's like I was saying in the pre-show, like I think like what got me hooked onto you to begin with was like the personality. And now I think of it it's probably more the style of video as well. And that's, so I guess it's more of like, it's familiar to me that I know what I'm going to get. Whereas if you hmm. changed it all the time, it probably would be hard to stick with it. That's that makes- probably what's wrong with mine. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, I think when you're a small channel that everyone is a small channel tends to change a lot to see what works for them. Right. Yeah. And when I find something that works in a video that does well, I don't repeat it at all. Yes. That's, so, <laughs> why I is just, that? I uh, what's the what's the sab- self sabotage? Oh, I'm a, I'm afraid of success. Um, success. Like if I became big on YouTube, I'd have to think about quitting a job with a pension that is very stable that I enjoy. Right. If I stay small on YouTube, I never have to worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> Or you could just decide to be successful and not quit your job and just do 
Right. I could be yes. Peter Bob, Brown. I've tried this before. Yeah. It doesn't work. Okay. Doesn't okay. Work <laughs> I, I'm new I here. Personally sorry. Would have to learn a lo- I personally would have to earn a lot of money from YouTube to quit my job. Like I, um, so I have a lot of spare time in my job in between train stations, for instance. So all my editing, I do at work. I do no computer. Like this is the only time my computer is open at home is when I record, record, the, record the podcast. Yeah. Other than that, everything's at work. So like for me to quit my job, I don't know. I, I technically get paid to edit. So why would I? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I know they're like Peter Brown has a full-time job he loves and you know, million plus subscribers on YouTube. I, he is doing it and he's doing, he's doing the projects he wants to do for the fun. He wants to do them and he doesn't care if the video, I'm sure he cares if the video does well, but his, his goal isn't to make money on YouTube, which yeah. I, I get, maybe that's what I'd like, but yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I don't, I mean, don't monetize your video. it's also just, you know, it's one storyline. I mean, his goal could be to make money on YouTube and continue working his current job. Like you could have both of those things. I think, you know, our culture gets wrapped up in like certain stories, like turn your past into a job, quit your day job. And it, it doesn't necessarily have to be that way. That's That's good. Yeah. I, every time I've tried to do that, the passion stops being the thing I enjoy doing. Like I started an airbrush business when I was in high school and I loved doing airbrushing. And then I got customers and I hated doing airbrushing. <laughs> it's actually yeah. actually a good point. I was always told growing up, don't make your hobby your job because it becomes less of a hobby and more of like something you have to do. So I'm interested with that, Bob, how turning your hobby into a job has changed that. Um, hmm. Like, does it feel more of a chore than... <laughs> that a hobby now? That's a really big question. I could give a really, really big answer to, (laughs) um, no. So I don't see, hmm, trying to figure out how to say this and not sound really pretentious. I don't see making stuff for me as a hobby. I think it's something that I can't not do. And so it's, it's a matter of, it's not like my off time where I can disconnect and then I make stuff, you know, as a way to, to kind of like step away from the day. It's not that kind of a hobby for me. That is like sitting down at night and building a Lego set with instructions yeah. in front of me because I don't have to think about it. And cause I can actually do it. And that's a little, that's my little Zen moment or whatever that at the end of the night. Um, so for me making projects and making videos and stuff is the mechanism for my job. It is not the job. And this is interesting. I don't know if this is going to make any sense or not, but making videos for me and making projects to have videos to make about is to further is to complete the job. The job for me personally is to convince people that are watching that they can do more than they were told they can do. So we grew up with all these restraints or the lack of opportunity or whatever the thing is that told you, you can't, or you, you can only do so much or whatever. My goal is to destroy that (laughs) and help you realize that you can do more. You can, you can create the stuff that you want to see in the world. I want to get rid of all the black boxes. I want to get rid of all the things that are in the way that just seem unknowable. That's my goal. The way I do that is through making videos about R2D2 and like random, like, you know, whatever the thing is, the thing is not the important 
point. So I don't know if is it does that make sense? Yeah, the separation yeah, in my mind of, of hobby yeah. and work is maybe. And was that was that mission, you know, to convince people they can do more than they think they could can. Uh was that there from the beginning or did it develop over time? It developed pretty quickly early on. I mean, the original intent was to like I, I have a software job, I have a baby. I need to do something over here to stay okay. You know, that was the original intent. And I'm like, well, if I'm going to do something over here, rather than it being selfish, I'll put it on the internet. Maybe somebody will get something out of it. That'd be cool. Hmm. That was it. And then, you know, doing it for the first year or so, I'm like, all these people, I'm, I'm making really simple stuff. And people are like, this is totally blowing my mind that this is possible that somebody could do this in their basement. Right. And I'm like, wait a minute. People don't realize that, that this is totally normal. And, and two things there. One, it made me realize that I didn't really know how most people felt about making things. But also, I realized how fortunate I had been to grow up around people who just made stuff. And I, I didn't know you weren't supposed to. Or, you know, yeah. I mean, it was just like, it made me realize that not everybody had that. And mm -hmm. without trying to become like the Mr. Rogers of making stuff, I just like, I, I can do that. I can help people the, the, the thing that they didn't get, you know? And so it kind of turned yeah. into it because of that, I guess. It's very interesting. I get really excited I think about that... this stuff when I start talking about it. Sorry, I'm not trying to, to be silly, oh, but no, that's, no, it makes I, a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense. And it, I think it really shows why you're able to keep the passion alive because the passion isn't about the projects. It's about show like expanding people's minds so that's why you can build a silverware drawer divider thingy and and go you know i i remember you talked about it on making it and said like i don't even know if i want to do this because it's too simple and then yeah. you eventually did the project and i watched the video and i thought it was a great video and i still haven't finished my device, my thing, the project I want to do based <laughs> on that. But because I think it's too simple and I don't want to do a YouTube video of a copy of your project, but I probably should because some, not everyone who watches me watches you. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. And I wasn't the first one to do one. It's not like I came up with the silverware drawer, you know, <laughs> I made one. Yeah. One, one of the, one of the ideas I had, which I haven't put out a video on in like two to three years was one hour builds, like things that you could literally build in an hour. So those like small projects. Um, but my three, three of my biggest videos, everything was done by a robot. It was yeah. like, so, and it's something that I've really realized is that people watch them because they're learning something and not just watching me build something. Cause I was like, it's like you had to do it in fusion and then put it in easel and get it to cut and all that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. Well, I think on that note, it's a good time for us to thank our Patreon supporters. Uh, I want to thank our F clamp level, the top level, uh, Brent Jarvis from clean cut woodworking and Vincent Ferrari from the, because we make podcast, uh, everyone. Yeah. I know that guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he'll probably be happy to hear that you're on here. I think he actually, I think I might've slipped a note. Hey, telling no, him. I, I, I slipped. I told him. Oh, okay. <laughs> and then, and then I went back and listened to the BWM episode with Bob and you were talking about the farm. Like you had just gotten the farm and I'm like, that was two years ago. That's insane. <laughs> It, is. Like, it feels like it was yesterday. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, for all of our Patreons, you can get a uh, access to the pre-show, and we're going to be recording an after-show after this. In the pre-show, Bob let a secret out, 
So you need to sign up so you can get that. It's uh, <laughs> a good one. <laughs> yeah. And you also get a, uh, a handmade leather keychain by uh, Morley. And uh, you can yeah. find all that information at patreon.com slash clamp. Clamp-mandations. All right. So I've been working with uh, Sarah Giffen at Viv Jewelry um, to do a collaboration project, which is a lot of fun. Uh, we finished up the project itself and now we're working on the video. Um, and sort of the impetus for doing this was, uh, she started a YouTube channel. Well, she's had one for a while, but she started putting more work into it recently. Um, which is very interesting because she's quite big on like TikTok and Instagram. Her short form content does really, really well. And she's kind of like discovering how different of a beast that YouTube is, um, and finding it like incredibly difficult to get any of her work seen. Um, and it's also very different from, any of her other stuff, like on TikTok and in Instagram, it's a lot of videos of her making clay jewelry. And on her YouTube channel, she's more talking about her process and making vlogs about her own experience, uh, dropping out of university and starting her own small business. Um, so I really got a lot out of her most recent video, which is called uni dropout turned business owner wisdom. I learned from dropping out and starting my own business. Um, She's like a very positive and open person um, and is making just like a very conscious effort to share, you know, her own genuine experience. And I, I really think she is worth checking out, especially this video and especially the videos that we're going to make together. Um, yeah, she's like, it's, it's, it's crazy how that just like success doesn't really carry across platforms. Like, I don't know, she has like millions of views on TikTok and tens of thousands of followers and has struggling to break 200 subscribers on youtube it's just she's you know she's discovering this different beast so yeah check out her channel um she's an awesome person i hope to work with her more in the future sarah giffen at viv jewelry cool adam um yeah my clamination this week i actually haven't watched the video yet so i'm gonna throw myself under the bus there um i've been playing rust a lot like i've talked about in the past and I went to get the link for my um, my video, and this popped up in my homepage on YouTube. And someone built the helicopter out of rust, like in <laughs> real life. Um, oh! I skipped through it. I skipped through it. It looks really cool. So they've used all like salvage metal and everything. And like the helicopter in rust is like literally scrap. Like it's a few poles and a blade on top. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if it worked or not or anything like that, but it looks cool. And I'm going to watch it when this, we finish this. Nice. Well, my recommendation is uh, make with Jake. Um, he did this, the video is called how I engineered a better drill press vice. So he made a, uh, like a table for his drill press and then realized it was garbage because the handles all hit on the table and he couldn't adjust anything up and down. He couldn't, he couldn't lock anything in place at the end of it and he just went i failed this project and released the video and so this is the follow-up video to that and the thing i really liked about it is he showed using a laser level to transfer bolt locations onto the 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 wood that he's using um because he couldn't really measure it wasn't easy to measure because he's trying to mount something to a, a you know underneath the the table so he used this laser level and pointed at where the bolt was and then was able to mark that on the on a board and then drill a hole in the board there. And I just went, that is a genius thing. And 
boom, that's he got my recommendation. So what about you, Bob? Cool. Um, well, mine is somebody I met at WorkbenchCon, uh, and we spoke very briefly, so I'd, I don't really know her. She was really nice. Uh, her name is Kelly Jean, and she is an artist, and she showed me some of her work on uh, Instagram, and I haven't really looked at her whole Instagram until just now. I was trying to find the piece that she showed me. This piece is uh, a geometric art piece on one wall, and then on uh, it's in a corner, and then on the opposite wall, there's a multicolor light panel. And as you change the color of the lights on one side, it changes the color of the painted pieces on the other side. Oh. And all the painted pieces are removable. And so you can swap this geometric thing around and then through the light, change the color of it. It's really cool. I mean, it's got a great style to it, but it's also just really cool how it works. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I don't I don't know if she's like a full-time artist or whatever, but that's just cool awesome. stuff. So, yeah, go check her out. Kelly Jean. Well, all those links will be in the uh, show notes and in the YouTube description for those watching us. Um, at this point, we either do a Morley reading a review in a funny accent or Adam's Australian word of the week. And since we don't have a review this week, we're going to do the Australian word of the week. Um, for Bob, who may not know, this is a, he's just going to give us a slang word and we have to guess what it is. <laughs> is it's it multiple really choice? Really difficult. No, it's not. Okay. There's been some Free very response. fun ones. Yeah. Oh, All right, so this this week's word of the week is huru. Huru. I oh hear so I hear Dirk say that all the time. I'm sure, and I don't know what he's trying to say. Cool. <laughs> That's good. So you you've heard it in context then. Yeah, that sounds like see you later or cheers or something. I don't know. Like toodaloo. Yeah. Hmm. What are I'm we going to go with them? Guesses. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. <laughs> it, it's literally bye. Oh, all right. Good, literally goodbye. My original guess was like a bad name for someone. Like, oh, you're being like a real huru right now. <laughs> like a Debbie Downer. <laughs> but I'm glad that Grant guessed it right for all of us. Uh, we've had, we've had some really fun ones. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you for that. That was fun. Um, thanks to TF Turning for the theme song at the start and end of the podcast. And I want to thank uh, Bob from coming on here and uh, sharing with us. It was a lot of fun. Do you want to uh, let everyone know the best places to find you? Sure. Um, on YouTube, if you just search I Like to Make Stuff, you'll run across us. And if you search I Like to Make Stuff on all the social networks, you'll find us there. All right. Yeah. Perfect. Well, um, you can find the Clampcast on YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter, as well as Facebook and all the other ones, but we don't really go on there. Um, and uh, on that note, uh, we'll be saying goodbye, and we're going into the after show. Hooroo. Goodbye. See ya. <laughs> <laughs>